0: Hello and welcome to another episode of A Little Ray of Sunshine, inspirational stories from everyday people. I have the opportunity tonight to be in the home of Marcus Thomas. If you recall, we were able to do an interview approximately a month ago, and now I have the great opportunity of being here with him to do a part two. And so I would highly recommend that if you haven't listened to part one, that Marcus Thomas did. I recommend that you go back and listen to that, and then follow up with this part two. So, Marcus,
1: welcome. Thank you so much, Grover. I'm happy yeah. to be
0: here. Yeah, it's uh, glad to be here in Twin Falls and be in your home with you. And yeah, I'm really so. excited.
1: I'd appreciate you having me back for part two. That's really
0: awesome. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. So, on my way here to Twin Falls, I listened again to the, your first podcast, and again brought up to me the same feeling that I had when we finished. The podcast and that was there's a whole lot more to Marcus's story isn't that right
1: yes uh, I remember <laughs> when we were first talking and you were asking me questions I think I had the same reaction I just started laughing because there there is so much yeah you know so you yes. did too and I
0: said so where we begin kind of thing you just kind of like oh and then I realized what you meant by that because there's so much yeah. in your life that you had gone through and that you had experienced and now here you are successful man uh, doing some great things in the community and raising a wonderful family so way to go <laughs> trying
1: yeah. i appreciate that yeah I really go. Do.
0: what part of the story could we go off of that maybe you didn't have an opportunity to really get into the first
1: time we spoke well there's just so much um you could really dovetail off any of it to be honest with you you know, Maybe the impact that we're making on in, in the community, things like that. I think that's probably, you know, most present part of my life right now that we're at. And there's so many people that are involved, and they're great people as well that are helping with that. But I mean, really, you could probably just ask a question about any of it, and we'd be able to go off of it. Yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> just getting to know you over the past month and being around you a little bit, I feel like you have a lot to be proud of from where you were, where you are. It's like a deep chasm that you've crossed over and to the other side. And personally, I personally think you have a lot to be, number one, grateful for, but number two, very proud of.
1: You know, I am. Every day I, when I wake up, it's it's funny. I, I'm still just, I don't know if the word is astonished, right, of where I'm at today. And I hear, like, people at work talking about, like, their complaints or things that are going on. Or, and it's it's funny to kind of sit back and just be grateful that, what I have gone through has made me look at those trials and go, oh, that's just a paper cut, right? Interesting way to put it. <clears throat> well,
0: yeah. I mean, listening to your last podcast and being with you, that's a deep paper
1: cut. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, everybody's trials are different. I feel like that everybody is, uh, is molded a certain way to go through a certain trial. And just because their trial wasn't the same as mine doesn't mean it's not equally mm-hmm. difficult for them, All right, right? right? Maybe this trial for me was the most difficult trial that I'll ever go through. But then somebody goes through something that's a, like a paper cut to me, but to them it was just as difficult as yeah. this trial was to me. Good point. Yeah. So. so what do you consider your greatest trial in life? Looking back at all of them. Keep going forward, I guess. you know, Not that that's a trial, but it's so easy. Like we talked in the last one, just to give up, mm-hmm. to to be done with it. You still have those feelings of wanting to just give up? I think that's a human nature, Mm -hmm. right? Like, it's so easy to, oh, I don't want to do this anymore, right? I would lie if I'd say uh, I'm not burnt out from this football season. (laughs) (laughs) But there's people depending and counting on you. My wife, my kids, those kids that I coach, those parents of the kids that I coach, you know. I think it's just human nature to want to. Tired, but I think what makes the difference is making that step going forward every day. Mm -hmm. And how do you do that? You have to find the will, right? I I tell the kids in football all the time, you have to dig deep. And I talk to them a lot during conditioning when we're really toward the tail end of conditioning and they're crying and sweating, puking, etc. I talk to them in a soft voice and I tell them, You have to find something deep inside that wants you to move forward. You can't listen to that voice of hey, give up, because that voice of just give up, that's just a negative Satan vibe or whatever you want to call it. It's trying to win you over and bring you down to their level Mm -hmm. because someone's counting on you, right? Somebody's watching, somebody's listening, and they're expecting you to push forward and carry that weight for them.
0: Right. So knowing that people are watching you, obviously that helps to keep you going. What if people weren't watching you? What
1: if there weren't a lot of people that did count on you? Would your life be different? For who I am, I don't think so. Good. I'm not that person that wants to give up. Like I said, I think I was just born to fight. That's also another human nature is the fight, right? Somebody attacks you, you're not just going to let them kill you or take, you're going to fight. And I think it's Finding what's inside of you to push you to fight. What is it are you going to fight for? I'll just ask you this. What's inside of you then that mm. causes that fight? You know, I bring up my dad a lot. It was something in him. I think just growing up and not having a father figure that was there from a young age until I was eight and a half, nine years old, that I wanted so bad. And I think that everything that I had been through, it was... I would have without him coming in my life I probably wouldn't be the fighter I am. I think his example is what made me realize you have to keep going forward because nobody's going to do it for you. It's kind of hard to explain. Nobody's going to fight that battle for you. You're right. You know, no one's going to hand out the W. Nobody's going to hand out, you know, $90,000 a year of a salary to you. That that's something that you have to go get on your own. And the only way to do that is to to see what's inside yourself is are you worth something to yourself not just the others first because you have to make yourself strong by yourself before you can be strong for others and so I think I just didn't want to be one that weak chink and then two I wanted to make sure I made my father proud because of the uh, impression that he had on me That makes
0: sense. You're talking about you're a biological father, right? Or your stepfather? I'm
1: sorry, I should have clarified. Yeah. So my biological father, I think I met him a few times. You know, it it was uh, very traumatic experiences the times that I'd spent with him. You know, I was seeing him come in and out of my life to come visit my older brother, who he had claimed as his, taking him to Seattle Seahawks games or Seattle matter games, but not me. When he seen me, it was you know, oh, you're too dumb to be my kid or There's no way I could ever call you, my son. Like, just terrible things. I remember one time, I think I was seven or eight, and it's really weird why he'd just come randomly in my life, but he'd seen my grades, and they weren't too good. I didn't really have a whole lot of help, to be honest with you. My mom was off doing her things that we discussed in the first podcast, and so I just didn't have that support I needed. And so I remember he locked me in his room. He had a deadbolt on it that you could only unlock with a key. And he gave me a filled in stream magazine. I don't even know if they still make those. I think they do. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I want a report on this when I get back. And he locked me in there, and he took my brother to a Seahawks game. Well, we were in Cougar, Washington, which is three hours from Seattle. Three-hour drive there. Game's about three hours, three-hour drive back. So I was in there for basically a 10-hour work period, if you think about it, at seven years old, supposed to read this magazine. And I didn't understand it. And so when he got back and I wasn't able to explain it to him, he decided discipline was necessary. And back then he would have been arrested for the discipline I got. And I'll just keep it at that. So I, I was afraid of men. I felt worthless. I wanted nothing. But then when my mother married, who I call my father, who the last name that I took on, Todd Thomas, his impression of how a father and a family should be is what ignited that fight in me. I wanted to make him proud. I was happy to be a Thomas. I, Just like I said before, he'd work 68 hours a week, and he'd make my football games, my wrestling matches, my choir concerts, camcorder in hand. Cheering you on. Yeah. And so I think that it is super important at that young age to have that influence because you're instilling that fire to fight.
0: What do you think? I mean, you might not know the answer to this, but what if Todd Thomas mm-hmm. hadn't come into your life... What if Todd Thomas didn't exist and you had your biological father? How do you think you would be today?
1: I would really like to say that I would still have come out a fighter and successful because of the examples I've had that were bad, right? Mm -hmm.
0: It's interesting you say that because a lot of times people will say, I used the good examples in my life to help me see what I want to do. You had bad examples, Mm -hmm. but yet... Here you are today, a successful man, with those bad examples, other than the three years that Todd Thomas was in your life.
1: Yeah, three years that I accepted him. So it was from 9 to 17, but I, I was about 14 when I really accepted So yeah, but yeah, basically the three years that I actually accepted him. That's right. right. But yeah, that's how much of an impression he made. But I think those bad examples, he get told like if you're an old soul, right? Have you heard that before? Oh, you're an yes. old soul. I've been told that several times throughout my life. So maybe it was something from that. I doubt it. I don't believe in that. I think it was more something spiritual writing on it. And Mm -hmm. I could be wrong. Someone was looking out for me. Somebody was trying to guide me and teach me, hey, that's not how it should be. Mm -hmm. This is how it should be. Learn from it. And like you said, I I don't think I can answer that question. It's It's difficult.
0: It is. I don't really believe in coincidence either. Mm -hmm. I. I, I always have grown up with the belief that and have seen it many times in my life where God places people in our lives at the time we need them Mm -hmm. and and isn't that interesting and we don't maybe realize it at the time we might not but we look back and go yeah that individual really had an impact on me this individual helped me in this area Mm -hmm. and I think that's kind of what I'm seeing happen with you a little bit I mean is there more than Todd that stepped in in times in your life
1: well, you know, my grandma's always been there for me, his mom. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. Like, those aren't even blood relatives, right? Yeah. But to me, they mm-hmm. are. To my kids, that's grandma. Mm-hmm. To her, those are her grandbabies. But mm-hmm. when he passed away, she didn't just shoo me to the side. Right. Like, she's still is an influence. And it's funny what you had just said there about you don't believe in coincidences and either do I, and sometimes the Lord puts somebody in mm-hmm. your path that needs to be there at the time. Yeah. She said that same thing to me this past visit that we that we just had back over Labor Day. So it's really funny that you just said that. When you said that I got goosebumps. I was like, Oh, she just said that to me. <laughs> Must be true the grandma's saying it. It's gotta be true. I always write down things that she says. But um yeah, you know, she had a, a big impact on me. I mean, there was coaches obviously that had impacts on me. I had a junior English teacher, Mr. Masshart, he had testicular cancer had just had a baby and was diagnosed with it. Really odd. Went through the chemo, lost both of them. Mm-hmm. I wasn't looking good like he was, what was it stage four? I think Like it was bad. And for two years, he was just going through it. And then he pulled out and made it through. And he was probably my favorite teacher I ever had. And I never knew he had had it until I'd had conversations with him. And he was the most influential and loving person I'd ever met. My junior English teacher, like he was just so friendly, so happy to help you, anything he could do to make it better. And I wonder if it's from that experience that he had.
0: Yeah. Think, I'm sure that was a big influence on you. Yeah. Obviously, how many years later, and you still remember it. Yeah. Was, so, yeah. you know, I think that is, but it really, people are in our lives. They help us in certain ways. We can't do this alone. No. And, and, and that's what's impressing me about you right now, Marcus, is that you're making sure that These kids that you coach don't have to do it alone. You're helping other people, and you're using your experiences that you had in life to push you forward and to do good. Yeah. And to do good, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I love it. I wish so much that I would have had somebody there at that delicate age. Because that age, what they're at right now, we're in fifth grade, and we have like six fourth graders on the team, my son being one of them. That's a sensitive age. You know, and I've been coaching most of those kids since they were five. And so you, from that age until my opinion, you know, through high school, it's really pertinent on how you treat them, teach them, coach them and love them. And I try to tell the kids all the time, how much I love them. Hey, if you ever need to talk to coach, I'm right here. Right. But it's not just about sports when we're out there. Right. I tell them all the time. I'm like, Hey, like during the conditioning, when we break them down, I'm saying, Hey, if you want to quit, go ahead and quit. But I want you to think a few years ahead, or maybe even more, when you're 22 years old and you're living in mom's basement and you're playing video games, talking to Darcy who lives in Texas and she has green hair and her parents are paying her bills. Was it because you gave up? Was it because you didn't find something to dig deep and go forward and move harder and try harder and want to become something great rather than just settling?
0: Yeah. You make a good point. Settling gets you nowhere. I mean, we know that. That's a no-brainer. But having somebody to look up to role models in our life, that's what we're talking about here, right? Yeah. I remember Coach Freider was his name. Coach Freider coached my Little League baseball team. He was one of the most influential coaches I've ever had. And he just took an interest in me. And after the games, when we would win, he would pile all of us in the back of his pickup. I think maybe it was a little more legal back then at that time. But, <laughs> and we'd drive down Holmes Avenue, take a left on First Street, and pull into Paxman's drive-in and he would buy ice cream for everybody. And here I was, 10-year-old, 9-year-old kid, and I still look back on that and I thought to myself, this guy's cool. This guy, I want to be like that. So we should never underestimate the influence that we have on people. And we have a decision to make here. If we're going to be an influence, do we influence for good or do we influence for bad? And you made the choice, and it's a good choice.
1: When I had a talk with a friend a few months back, and he had said, you can always tell when someone's there for the shirt. I get it. Or if they're there to help. Yeah. And it's funny you said that your coach took you for ice cream because we've taken the team for ice cream twice this year. And then uh, I'm sure you've heard we've had a few barbecues. Mm-hmm. I had a good friend of mine bring 30 kayaks down so all the kids can go kayaking for free. Obviously, the Raider game, you know, they made all right. all professional athletes. I'm not doing that for the shirt. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that for, oh, look what I'm doing because I didn't expect to do this. Yeah. I just wanted to coach my son and his friends along with it. And then I don't know why, whatever, I, I guess I made a good impact or impression on these people because the next thing you know, it's just so much more going on and all more kids are coming in and more kids. And I'm, man, well, shoot, I want a, them to build good friendships. I want them to be good friends. I want them yeah. to, I want to reward them for all their hard work and so I'm not here for the shirt.
0: No, besides that, where does the shirt end up? On a quilt sometime, you know. At certain points, it can end up on a quilt that you'll never use.
1: Well, and it goes deep than that. I screenshotted this picture. I do this all the time. I send quotes to my coaches' threads, and I'll share quotes with my kids. My wife actually sent this to me, and then I had to text her back, and be like, what are you saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what did I do wrong? And the quote says, when you keep criticizing your kids... They don't stop loving you. They stop loving themselves. And it hit me. And that was one of the biggest things um, when I started coaching was my own kids and the kids that we coach, you never criticize them. That is just, it's not something I'll tolerate. I've told all the coaches that. And it's never happened on our team. Nobody's ever been called dumb. you have never been put down. Like, not to toot, you know, Magic Valley Ducks' own horn here, but it's unfortunate. Some things that happened with another league that's in the area here. One of the coaches that told the kids that they were a waste of time
0: yeah what does that do to them
1: um he shouldn't be wasting his time coaching them they don't know nothing about football they don't know nothing about life but they should rather be cheerleaders because that's all they're going to be good at in life is sitting on the sidelines i had that you know my mom's boyfriends throughout the years they said that crap to me mm mm-hmm. And at a young age you don't say that well you don't say that to anybody you don't say that to children yeah, especially you
0: know? you're impressionable at that time oh
1: man yeah you know and i reached out to some of the parents and i said hey you know you, you guys want to play with us next year I'll, I'll do everything i can to make sure you guys have your own team you know it's just i don't know how you can go through this world being a bully to children Sorry to go off topic there.
0: No, I don't. Really, the cool thing about doing a podcast is it's whatever topic comes up. So, you yeah. know, and really, the, I think the main topics that we've been discussing have everything to do with your desire to coach kids, not coach football, but to coach kids. Yep. And, and it's not about the win. It's about the kid.
1: It's not about the win. It's about being successful. Yeah. And the thing is, correct
0: me if I'm wrong, you're the coach, but can you still be successful and not win?
1: Oh, most definitely.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought.
1: Most definitely. Yeah.
0: I mean, yes, every kid wants to win, and it's great to have that and to to cheer that on. But if you play your best and you gave it everything you had and still didn't win, you still have something to be happy about.
1: Most definitely. I think that, um, and I've said it to the kids, they've lost before. They're doing pretty good this year. Last year we went 4-2, lost in the championship game. And I said, you learn more from losing games like that Mm -hmm. than you will winning a game. It's not all about winning. It it really isn't. To be fun, it's about winning, right? Yeah. But you learn the most out of losing because it puts you in a spot where you're down on yourself and you're trying to find yourself collectively on what can I get better at, right? Mm -hmm. What can I do better? And that's why I love mistakes because they help push you into who you're going to be, whether you're going to choose that route of, what can I do to be better or I'm done? That's kind of where the split road is. And that's why I think kids need to play sports because it helps them start getting through that. Um, not working through your emotions, but man, I'm, that's the word. Well, it builds character, you know, builds character, you know, that. Yeah, but it helps them with those tough decisions on how to handle them. I think that's what I was going with on how to fight for things. I always tell them, Hey, how, are you going to fight for a job? Right. If they tell you no, or you still try to push and say, well, hey, let, give me a chance or whatever. Uh, on a test, are you going to stay up and study hard and work through it? If you fail it, or are you going to come back and try to get a better grade? Or Just certain little things. I think when you lose, it really helps that character building that sure. you're talking about. So. Oh, you bet. Well, that's one side
0: of you, Marcus, Marcus the coach. Mm-hmm. There's other sides to you as well. Sure. I met your daughter tonight. I met your son. There's Marcus, the family man so how has all of your life experience Im- improved you as a as a man
1: yeah i uh am very strict with my kids <laughs> i want to make sure like any other father would that your kids have everything mm-hmm. they need but what it's done for me the experience that i've gone through is i find myself teaching my kids that they have to earn it still kind of like a coach right but It
0: still applies to life.
1: Yeah, it is. I didn't have anything growing up. Man, we were poor. We were so poor. And so I try to teach my kids, if you get good grades, I will get you whatever you need for sports. When we go on trips, I'm not going to buy you anything. You need to earn the money six months or a year in advance before we go on those trips and buy those things yourself. And so I find myself always teaching my kids lessons about life, trying to prepare them. So, when they're out on their own paying their own bills, you know, because none of that was taught to me, I had to learn that on my own. Right. And that can be really difficult when you're really young and you're starting to have kids before getting financially stable. That can be very difficult. I have found that my daughter has made me a very soft person. <laughs> they tend to do that, don't they? Yeah. I am very, very much a sucker when it comes to my daughter. She doesn't know that, so I really hope she doesn't listen to this. But basically anything she asks me, she asks me the right way, I'll end up doing it for mm-hmm. her. But I, I think I've I found myself being a very paranoid, protective person when it comes to my kids. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm like that with other kids too, but I think it just makes me love them more. Let them know they never have to worry of me not leaving. Mm-hmm.
0: That's a big and it's an important part of your life because you you experience that. Mm-hmm. And you don't want that for your own
1: no. children. No. I know that it's funny. I'm so glad I I write these down and take screenshots of them. You always have like something in your mind what you want your kids to be. Mm-hmm.
0: Expectations, and desires, and dreams.
1: Mm-hmm. And this visit with my grandma, she had said something that changed that. She says to me that you can't live your life the way other people want you to live it. You have to live it for you. And well, I've always thought that, but I've always had this picture in my mind. If I can keep the rules kind of tight with my kids and teach them the right way. They'll try hard in sports. They'll get a scholarship. They'll go off, be successful, and then get married mid mid midlife when they're already established. That's me trying to expect my kids live the way I want them to live. That would contradict everything I coach. So when my grandma said that, I was like, I need to change the way I'm trying to push my kids to do things, right? I I need to change my expectations on how I'm expecting them to turn out. I've always been really hard on my kids, and I think it's because I'm afraid for them to suffer anything that I've gone through. Yeah. Whether it be falling on a bike or uh, getting made fun about school. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's formed me into a very paranoid, loving father.
0: Well, and I really, I think about that, and you know, you could be an absent father. You could be an abusive father. So be proud of what you're doing, and you're preparing them for life. That's the way I look at it, because you and I both know as we sit here, life's not going to be fair all the time. Rarely is it, right? And the world does not owe us anything, so we have to work for it. We'll get what we deserve. Oh, I love that. One day we're going to be at the top of the rung of the ladder, and and maybe the next day we're at the bottom, but we're never going to stay in either place. We're going to be up and down that ladder and just know that that's life.
1: I need to talk to you more often. I like these things you have here. (laughs) I'm going to start calling you once a week.
0: (laughs) Yeah, give me a call. I'll see what I can do. (laughs) Well, I just, I think, you know, from what we've talked about, it's sort of given me more of an impression of what you want in life and where you're headed in life and what you hope for your family. So very impressed by that. And I feel like if you just continue on that track, you're going to see success in your kids. Well, it's been a pleasure visiting with you tonight once I again. I looked I've been looking forward to this uh second half of it.
1: So well it's really exciting. I I think it's fun just to hear all the stories that you're doing and um the good things that are happening because of these stories, you know, I mean I I try to listen to them when they every time they come out. I think I've heard 7 now, 7 or 8 some of the back ones and then I try to keep up on the ones that you put out. And my wife loves them too and um some of them she's listened to she's like oh my gosh that's so amazing to hear that somebody else has gone through that or yeah. that's awesome and you know she she has a great story herself yep. one right. of these days i might have to get her on this podcast as well she's something else i'll yeah, tell yeah, you yeah. that right now <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. but yeah i believe that yeah. <laughs> well thank you again for letting me be here in your home and for your hospitality and we'll visit soon.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. And thank right. you so much.
0: You bet. And to my listeners, as always, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Remember to speak up, speak out, and speak often. Bye bye. <laughs>